I feel like I had finally found a voice that I didn't even realize I had been looking for. Right. It's a soulful voice. She speaks a soul language that yes. I'm always waiting for, looking for, but I rarely find. And it's the kind of voice that doesn't offer easy answers, but is willing to walk through dark places in order to find where Christ is. But sometimes you have to push through those hard spots. If that kind of voice sounds inviting, this podcast might be for you. That voice she's talking about comes from an American mom in a family with small kids at a military base in the desert, 10,000 miles away in Bahrain, and it's scary, and nothing's normal, it's lonely, everything is less, less stuff, less people, less friends, and life is small and tight with lots of restrictions, and it's definitely not plentiful. Or is it? Welcome to the Hopeology Podcast. I'm Gary, dad of Michaelin, who is the nester. She's the author of the Nesting Place blog and book. And Emily, she's the author of Grace for the Good Girl and A Million Little Ways and the blog Chatting at the Sky. And our families. We're a family of hopers. At Hopeology, you'll find hope in the three areas where you're most often discouraged. Your home, your family, your soul. And you can join this journey of hope at Hopeology.com. In this episode, both Michael and Emily read a book and found themselves moved and talking about it for different reasons to each other, especially about a chapter about plenty, which is related to gratitude and being thankful and thanksgiving and everything. And that inspired this month's theme of plenty. The book is Breathing Room by Leanna Tankersley, so we connected with Leanna to talk about when it doesn't look like plenty. Here's Emily again to start our little conversation. So we just met Leanna this week, but I feel like I've known her for a lot longer than that. When I first read her book that just came out, it's called Breathing Room. As I was reading through this book, I thought, okay, this woman, I mean, she's married to a Navy SEAL, so you've moved around a lot. You have three children. You've lived... You're married to a Navy SEAL? Yes, sir. She's married to a Navy awesome. SEAL. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Dad is so impressed. Did I just get points with Dad? Like a little boy, a little boy face right Can now. Can I get your autograph? Yeah. Yeah, I just got yeah, points yeah, yeah. with Dad. It's but awesome. yeah, but so um, in the book, a lot of the book is, and I'm and I'm going to let you talk, but in about a half hour, really? I know. Just hear her I, I breathing. Just, in I the have background. to talk about all these things. No. I love it. This love book it. is so great. <laughs> um, but I love how you talk about. And we're going to make you tell the story. Um, Living in Bahrain. Did I say that right? Bahrain. Uh Uh-huh. Bahrain. Mm -hmm. Tell us about living in Bahrain and how not plentiful it was. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, when we first moved, we had uh, two and a half year old boy-girl twins, and I was newly pregnant with um, our third. And when we got there, it was July and so it was like 120, 125 degrees. And um, was it literally 125 degrees? Literally okay. 125 degrees. Oh, and what's funny is if your pool doesn't have a chiller, like I'm from San Diego. And so there's times in the year where people have a heater on their pool to keep it warm so that they can swim. In Bahrain, you have to have a chiller on your pool. Otherwise, it's too hot to get into wow. it. But your husband doesn't care because he's a Navy SEAL. <laughs> That's right. My husband is not <laughs> the in the temperature. The temperature he doesn't mind. <laughs> That's right. No. So we... Um, we get there and it's hot and it's, it, it happened to be Ramadan, which meant that everything was closed until sundown. And we just, we just got thrown into, um, just a very extreme 
situation in a very extreme culture. And you're in the middle of the desert. You're on an island in the Persian Gulf, but it's it's desert-like. So it's sand, and it's what you would think of with the Middle East. And so, yeah, in many ways, it was brown, brown sand, brown sky, brown buildings. And, um, and that sort of was a metaphor <laughs> for the barrenness of how it felt when we got there, of how am I going to keep these three kids going and myself going in the midst of something that does not feel plentiful. It feels the opposite of plentiful. How long were you there for one Almost month? two years. Yeah, almost two years. And our, ba- our, our third baby was born there. And so learning to raise, I mean, I think having three small children in the best of circumstances is stressful. And, and I'm sort of realizing that in retrospect. While I was there, of course, I was just sort of turning on myself and thinking, why can't I do this better? And look at that woman over there who has l- such lovely pictures on Instagram. And I'm just like trying to like remember my kids' names, you know, <laughs> like I'm just worn out. And um, so I think, yeah, having three kids in the best of circumstances is, is challenging, but having it um, 10,000 miles away from anything familiar in a culture that is really, you know, there aren't a lot of parks, there aren't libraries where you can go to toddler story time. There's not a lot of support in many ways um, for a mother of young children was, um, it's just, I, I, I sort of emerged from all of this needing some breathing room, which is really why I started writing about that. I just started writing about the ways I felt like my soul was feeling tight. And that was after you left there then? Yeah. I, I, I was writing during that time. Wasn't but, um, the relief, didn't, weren't you relieved though after you left there? Wouldn't the tension be gone to have breathing room? Well, you know, they talk a lot about reverse culture shock. Okay. And um, I think I felt some of that. I think also uh, while we were in Bahrain, um, the, the two Muslim sects of Sunni and Shia were going through a lot of infighting. And so there was a lot of riots on the island. And they weren't directed at us as Americans, but it would affect where you could go. Like, okay, someone's got a birthday party at the mall and you're going to go take your kids. But as you're going there, there's tire fires all across the highway and you just can't get there. And you've got to turn around and come home. And what again, do the kids say? Do they see this? The what kids, are they, they? You know, my kids... Uh, oh, mommy, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Mom, what's tear gas? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you say? Uh, you say there's, there's, I was just honest with them, you know, yeah, there's, um, there are people here that are upset and they want, they want to have a different kind of life and they're mad at the government and we're going to stay away from it and we're going to go and we're going to be, we're safe and we're just going to go, uh, we're going to stay safe. That's what they want to know really. Yeah. We're safe. Yeah. Yeah. You're with me and we know where daddy is. Daddy's on the base and we can get to daddy, you know, and we're, we're doing fine. And this is not the thing I would reiterate was this is not aimed at us. They're not mad at us. They're mad at each other. And um, so we just want to stay out of it. But when I got home, what I, when I got home back to San Diego, what I realized is we had been living under a state of vigilance that you don't realize mm. you're in mm-hmm. until you come home mm-hmm. and you realize h- how tired you are. Like we was ingrained in your soul the That's whole time. Right. <gasps> a constant right. buzz that exactly. went on that you got used to. Yeah. And until you get away, you don't realize you were hearing that buzzing. It's exactly right. Well, so it takes some time to recover from that buzzing. Mm. I, I think a lot of us can relate to that, the buzzing thing. Um, but you had it on such an extreme level. That's why I like to listen to you because sometimes people who have ex- who have experienced something in a really extreme way have an, a perspective that we can all relate to. Like, for example, when you went to that party, the friend who threw the party, please tell us about what happened that night. Yes. Yeah, so we... Um we, because the island's small and because the base on the island is very small, um, you sort of always do the same things. And so we had this friend who had this idea, what if we had a wine tasting party and we brought in a a person to do a wine tasting for us? And it was like, oh my gosh, it it felt like, it felt like an extravagant Tuesday, right? Where it was like, it felt like it had been, you know, I, 
a year since we had done anything like that. So they they host this lovely party with wine tasting, and it felt plentiful. You know, mm-hmm. it really felt like it did. It felt so plentiful. And then, um, uh, you know, maybe there's 40 of us there, and we're having a great time. And, and then all of a sudden, um, one one gentleman's phone starts to ring. And it's like, then the next guy's phone starts to ring. And then the next guy's phone starts to ring. And it's like the opening scene from the movie Navy Seals from way back when, where they're getting called out of the oh. party one by one. All of a sudden, all of us women are looking at each other like, oh. what in the world wow. is going on? And in these situations, you don't know what's going on. You're just, your husband just turns to you and says, I got to go. Okay, you know, well, I'll see you later. And then as they're leaving and opening and closing the door, all of a sudden we're realizing, what is that? What is that? And we realize there's tear gas coming in the courtyard and into this, this wine, this lovely wine tasting party so much Party's for plenty over. <laughs> yeah. so much for plenty party's over you know cork the wine bottles we're all going home and in that situation you just want to get to your kids right because you don't really know what's going on and so um, anyway husbands were all at work all night I still don't really know exactly what was going on, but that is the nature of my life. And um, I just got home to my kids and everything was fine. You wake up the next day and go on. But it's such a perfect juxtaposition of being in this lovely moment and finally having a sense of some plenty. And then it's like, okay, tear gas coming in. And so you, but you made some friends there, right? Absolutely. And yes. Can you tell us about the time you went to see your friend Jean? Oh, yes. How, How I met her? Yeah. Yeah. So this was like probably the most um, tender and gracious aspect of our time there is that God chose to bring me a friend who was so lovely. Are you talking about going to see her cookbook or when I met her? Which one? You can tell, tell us about both. when you met her and then, okay. and then tell the us about the cookbook. Okay, too. got it. Okay. So um, we were living in a um, temporary villa when we first got to Bahrain and I knew we were going to be moving. And so the landlord called me and said, I know you guys are leaving because you're just here temporarily in this in this house. Can I bring someone in who wants to see it and maybe to rent it long term? Sure, sure, that's fine. And um, and at this time, I was sort of in a state of desperate shock. We had just gotten there, and I was sick, and I was just not sure how I was going to make all this work. And I didn't even, you know, those t- times in your life where you don't even know you need a friend, but you need a friend. Yeah. 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 And um, <laughs> and. So I said to the landlord, sure, that's fine. Anybody can come over and look at the place. I'll show them around. That's fine. And in about 30 minutes, the doorbell rings and I opened the door and it was like, ah, in this like immediately I knew that this was a woman that I was going to love. I can't even explain it, you know, and she just walked in the door and we started talking and, um, and we became very close friends. My closest friend while we were there in Bahrain and, um, I think what just still surprises me to this day is that sometimes we don't even know what we need. And this is an act of God's grace and his plenty to us mm-hmm. that he brought her to my front door. <laughs> he brought her to my front door. And it was funny because she's in my house and I'm thinking to myself, and I don't want to be weird or glommy, you know, but I'm like, I need a play date. I, she, I knew she had kids the same age as, as my kids. And I'm like, I, it'd be really great if we could have a play date. But how do I talk to her about this? Like I met her two seconds ago. You know, I don't want to be weird. And anyway, I said, glommy. She, yeah, glommy. <laughs> Can we talk about glommy, glommy right? Do you know what I mean? Where you like, you're on you, like, top. You glom like, onto someone. <laughs> yeah, Got glommy. It. Yes, Continue. you glom onto someone. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that a word, glommy? It is now. Yeah, I love it. Right. I'm using it. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be like, you know, weird creepy uh-huh. stalkerish right and anyway i said gene you know is it, i i said um i called her after that she gave me her number and i said um you know i'd love to do a play date sometime and she said 
okay, Leanna, you know, after we get settled and we're out of the hotel, let's get our kids together. Okay. And I said, oh, yeah, of course, you know, we're, let, let's get settled and then we'll get together and hung up the phone. And then like 14 seconds later, she called me back with like a totally different tone in her voice. And she said, you know, I bet you're tired and I'm tired. Her family had just moved from Korea to Bahrain and they had been in Korea for three years. She said, I'm tired too. And it would be nice to get our kids together. Let's just make it happen. And, um, we, again, we just became very close friends and, and that was the thing that always astounded me as God brought her right to my front door. I love that story. I love that too. And like you had to, sometimes you have to pay attention and be, even though you didn't know you needed a friend when she did show up at your front door, you were willing to embrace her. Sometimes I feel like Mm -hmm. things drop in my lap and I'm like, don't even, I'm not even in a place where I can see that this is your gift, you know, pay attention. (laughs) Yes. So I love that. Yeah. I think I knew how desperate I was. And, and I knew, you know, when, when, um, something comes in t- across your eyes and you're just realizing this is like meeting a need. I didn't even totally know mm. I had. And it was like, I was so drawn to her and so enjoyed talking with her. And yeah. So it was a you didn't have to receive it though. That's true. You, didn't, you, right. you could have not called her. Yeah. You could have said, Oh, I'm sure she's so busy. Uh, Oh, I'll probably be bothering her. But you, seemed to trust that it was true that she felt exactly like you did and if she did feel exact but that was there was a little bit of risk in that you know yes for sure what if she was busy but it was the kind of busy that she didn't have time for you yeah instead of being the kind of busy that i need you yeah and so you wouldn't know that unless you like knocked on that door absolutely a little bit and i tell i think we miss some of those things sometimes because, oh, they're, they're too busy. I don't want to bother them or anything. And actually, the Lord has brought you a gift and has brought them a gift also at the same time. But you got to open it by responding. 100%. And I tell people who are in transitions now that exact thing. There's going to be ways that God throws you lifelines in the middle of your transitions. And you can choose to take them or not take mm-hmm. them. And Jean was a lifeline that mm-hmm. God was throwing me. And I could have missed something. I really could have. I don't credit myself necessarily. I just feel like... It became so clear, you know, that this is, this is a lifeline I'm throwing you. And, um, and I did feel insecure. I, like I said, I, like I said to Emily, I felt kind of glommy, you know, like, well, I don't want to appear like I'm that needy. But the truth is I was needy. Yeah, right. She was you probably know? feeling the same thing. Too. Yes. And so it was a, it was Sometimes a match made in heaven. you're so desperate that it's worth the risk. Yes. Because the hope that it could possibly work out is worth looking like an idiot. The fear for. that it won't, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was um, a good lesson to me because it ended up that we were companions to each other during that whole time, a volatile time. Our husband's working tons of hours. She had three small children as well. And we were able to um, be in the trenches with each other and order takeout and make a movie bed for our kids when we couldn't leave our homes (laughs) because our liberties were restricted. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we were in that together. And what would I have done if I would have missed out on that? I, I mean, it gives me chills right now because that's how meaningful that relationship was to me and how much it saved me. Mm. Yeah. Do you want me to tell a story about the kitchen? So So, you show up in her kitchen. So we spent a lot of afternoons together, um, like uh, getting our kids together after school. And um, Jean was a lovely cook. I I love to to prepare food, but I'm not like amazing at it. And Jean was amazing at it. And the groceries were subpar and the fresh produce were really subpar in Bahrain. But she was determined to make lovely, lovely meals for her family. And um, she would drive all over the island trying to find the best produce. And I'm just like, here is some frozen peas. Like, do you know, like, here you go. Here's the best I can do. But she was, 
you know, looking for growing our own fresh herbs. Like, I mean, doing things that I'm telling you would have been practically impossible in that kind of environment. And one day I um, walked into her kitchen and it, it was just in the middle of a tough season. We weren't allowed to go a lot of places. Our life was very, very small. And I walk into her kitchen and there's this beautiful white hardback cookbook on her counter and it has a beautiful eggplant on the front. And then these huge words are, is the word plenty. And the cookbook was titled plenty. And it like broke me open, you know, cause I didn't feel like plenty. I felt like lack, lackluster. And it was just like, yes. And what occurred to me in that minute was I've given you more than enough. This like God's voice to me. I've given you more than enough. I've given you plenty. And um, Jean was a part of that and other things were a part of that. But that cookbook, that word plenty was such a beautiful, with this beautiful, luscious food. It was like I had never seen <laughs> that kind of luscious food before, you know. And then for our Christmas party, Jean bought, brought homemade white bean hummus with garlic in it. And she took these ribbons of basil and made it to look like a Christmas tree. And then she found somewhere pomegranate seeds and put them on this basil <laughs> tree like to look like Christmas lights. Do you understand the yes, visual? Yes. Uh, I like was hearing sobbing <laughs> at, we were hosting this party and we had everyone bring something. And when she took the tinfoil off this dish, I sobbed. I sobbed there at that table because I was like, I've never seen white bean. <laughs> Women <laughs> cry at the weirdest thing. I've never seen a base. I've never seen a Christmas tree fashion. I mean, it was just the most plentiful, gorgeous thing right. I had seen. And there we go. It was lovely. When we were, uh, when we had uh, the intervention last weekend at your house at Mike Willen. <laughs> right. Let's get personal. We, personal. You know, I don't like to it talk about this stuff. I, I really need some details on the intervention. <laughs> it's, a it's a joke. That's just a joke. Let's talk more. We were having a, but we were having a conversation. <laughs> And about, uh, but t- tell me, did Leanna's name come up then? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was when we were talking about people to talk to, that we have right. conversations with who can help us get perspective. And we were talking about different people, but we were talking about real conversations that you have. In other words, it's on the phone or it's in person and it's going back and forth. They hear you, you hear them and that kind of thing. And Michael was talking about how she does, that's not really how she does things right and but but she however have conversations yeah but that's They're all in here but she's still my head i pointed to my head but you still get the same thing though yes but you get it a different way instead of a live give and take conversation you get it from reading right and yeah and most recently from leanna's book so i have been our quote intervention was that we asked for was because i just have been feeling stressed and overworked and frazzled and chaotic in my head and Leanna spoke words into me that through her book that are helping me as think if differently. It, as if it was a personal conversation. Oh absolutely. which is a wonderful thing that books can yeah. do. And I can read it again and again and it said the okay. same exact way. So what did what did she say to you in that conversation um, in the book? She said me too in the book. She said me too. And what did that mean? Felt How did, really good. Why? Look, I'm going to cry now. I don't even know. I mean, this is why I write on the computer and I don't talk in the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I can't put it into words. Um, to, I felt a companionship. I felt understood. And I felt like she talked about the kinds of conversations I have in my head that I can't even get out of my mouth. 
Um, and she was like, this is how I am continuing to work through these kinds of thoughts that I had. It just felt like a walking with you kind of book. Um, not like, and now I've figured it all out. So here's your four step formula. None of that. Just kind of like, yep, that's how life is. And, and, and she even talked about, um, I loved, I think when you opened the book, you told a story about you almost felt guilty about feeling stressed or whatever it is. You had these beautiful twins. And um, I think even a friend kind of called you out on yes. that. Like, well, I can't feel sorry for you being stressed. You have a beautiful life. And, and I kind of felt that way too. I, oh, I have this job that I love and my husband is able to work on our barn and uh, we're renovating a house and I am done. And I don't feel like I can complain about that because those are all wonderful things. And none of us is currently dying of a terminal illness that, you know, anyway, that was really freeing to hear from someone that was brave enough to put that in a book. Thank you. You're welcome. I think for a lot of my life, I have believed that um, admitting struggle meant that I was ungrateful. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I think was a light bulb that turned on for me that I can be both grateful for my life and like all those lovely things that you just enumerated in your life. I could, I, we could all go around and list things that we're so grateful for, but that doesn't mean that there aren't days that we're struggling too, but we push that struggle down because I can't, or my life isn't as hard as hers over there. So what, what right do I have to say that I'm struggling? And then we miss out on getting the help. Mm-hmm. the validation, the support that we need because we're pushing that down, pushing that down. And I only say that because that's like 100% my story, you know? <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm just like, I cannot breathe. Right. And so maybe I should think about why I can't breathe, you know? Mm-hmm. And that perhaps in God's economy, I can be both struggling and grateful Mm-hmm. And that in the midst of that, I can turn to the truth and he could send me some help and I could ask for some help. And that that's the way we move through it. Not by saying, well, 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 my life isn't like, you know, as hard as hers or it's not spiritual to, to, to struggle or I'm not being thankful or grateful. And um, I've just found that that's not a way out. It's not a way through. It's not a way through. Well, we hope you've found some encouragement and seen some plenty that maybe you were missing. Again, that's Leanna Tankersley, and her book is called Breathing Room. Uh, To connect with the Hopeologists and find hope and encouragement for your home, your family, your soul, just visit hopology.com or write to us at hopology at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.